Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Welcome back to Any Questions. This is part three in my series inspired by Lucy Spink's video, 13 Hardest Parts of Having a Baby. We are tackling the final uh, five questions, I believe it is, five topics, five big discussion points. So thank you so much for sticking it out, listening to this series. I hope you've enjoyed it. I am dropping this episode the same day as episode, uh, as part two. I think it's episode 62, if that helps. Um, so you can listen to part two and part three today. And uh, without further ado, cut to the episode. Number nine on the important tough topics to discuss with your partner before having a baby is the lack of me time. So this is another one that is probably pretty obvious. You know, once you have a baby, there's going to be less time for yourself. It's not going to be as spontaneous. It's just going to look different, right? If you're somebody who Lucy brings up in the video, like you want to like go for a coffee or get your nails done, that might not be something you're able to just do, you know, any old time you want to, you might have to schedule it, you might have to work things out with your partner or, you know, someone else who's taking care of childcare or modify it. Maybe you have to go during baby's nap or you have to bring baby, you know, things like that. Um, me time is just going to look a little different and there's going to be less of it. So this is something that my partner and I, um, we've had discussions around me time. Um, we don't really call it me time, I just time to ourselves, <laughs> whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. We've had discussions around this before because, I work from home, um, so me time is is all the time. <laughs> That's not to say that I always um, am doing things that I want to be doing. Like I'm, you know, I work from home, so I'm I'm working. It's not exactly, um, you know, free time. And actually, because I work from home, I kind of struggle with doing things that like aren't um, productive. Like aren't <laughs> this, that sounds so funny? Because I'm not I'm not a horribly productive person. I waste time. I'm recording this podcast in the middle of a workday. Um, but I'm always doing things that are like for the podcast, for a blog, for a client, research for a trip. Like I very rarely am like, oh, I'm just going to like veg out and like read a book. Um, I do like to read. It's just like very rare that I do something that's not like towards a goal, um, which is probably just, you know, being brought up in this like hustle culture where you have to monetize everything. But I digress. Um, whereas my husband is better at that sort of thing. He plays video games. He plays like online games with people, loves a board game, basically a big nerd. Love him. But you know, it's the truth. Um, you know, has his like YouTube channels that he watches, other TV series and things like that. So he's pretty good at like when it's time to relax and have me time and just do something like solo veg out. Like he's good at doing that sort of thing. Whereas I'm usually doing something that's like not productive, but producing, I guess I'm, I'm producing something, I'm making something, creating. Um, so we were, we've talked about this before in that, like, for me, it would be nice to sort of have a little bit more separation. So I've, you know, taken some steps. I read every night now before bed, instead of scrolling on my phone. Um, I try very hard to make my weekends like non-work time. So even if I am doing things for, you know, podcasts or a blog or travel or things like that, it's at least, um, like hobbies of mine that I'm a bit more passionate about. Yes, sometimes they're monetized, but it's not uh, directly like client work. Um, you know, signing off my laptop at like five or six and, and sort of putting that away for the night. So having those boundaries. Um, we also talk about it in terms of 
social interaction. So because I work from home, I'm spending most of the day, you know, by myself, me and my dog. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm having, you know, calls or meetings with some of my clients. So I do get a little bit of uh, interaction that way. Sometimes it's, you know, on video, sometimes it's just voice, sometimes it's just text. And then also because my schedule is pretty flexible, sometimes I'm meeting up with, you know, friends or family or whoever it is during the day. But most days it's just me. So we used to run into this problem where as soon as my husband get got home, I would just like unload on him, like all of the social energy I had all day long. I would just like blurt it all out at him all at once. I'd like go on the long rant of like, here's everything that's happened during the day and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, let's hang out. Let's be friends. Like, let's do this. Let's do that. And it kind of got to the point where, you know, he had to say to me like, whoa, I need a minute. Because for him, he's just spent, you know, the last eight hours working at a hospital where he's had to be extroverted and on and social and with people the whole time. Um, so when he comes home, he kind of just needs like a bit of space. So we've actually gotten really good at saying to the other person like, hey, I'm just going to go do my own thing in the other room right now. Is that cool? Um, honestly, it's usually him saying that to me <laughs> because again, I'm the one who's alone and usually have filled that cup. Um, but it's something like I'm really receptive to now and I don't like take offense to it. So usually when he does come home, you know, we have that first, you know, five, 10 minute check-in just like, Hey, how was your day? How's your day? You know, quick little stories, making sure, you know, we have everything we need for dinner or whatever. And then we usually say like, Hey, okay, great. Yeah. I'll come out and start working on dinner at like six 30 and he'll go off and do his own thing and I'll, you know, finish up work or do my own thing. Um, so I think having that already in place is going to be really helpful for us because I think we're still going to be able to ask each other for that alone time. Um, in terms of how it's going to work with a baby, we kind of had discussions in that, you know, yes, my husband does have these things like, you know, he plays his online games and things like that, but those don't always fill his need for solo, like me time, because those online games, he's being interactive, he's socializing with people, you know, he's got his video on, he's talking to I don't know where these people are, people in the world who he plays these games with. Um, he still needs that solo time for himself. So we've talked about like how we're going to try to carve out time for that. Um, and then for me, I think it's going to be really important for me to get out of the house. And again, this is something I already struggle with working from home right now. I don't have a baby. I can leave the house any old time. <laughs> and I do try, you know, once a week to take my laptop to a coffee shop and, you know, work for an hour or two. But there are definitely some weeks where I skip that. And I, I feel tied to the house, which is funny because again, like I could leave anytime. <laughs> my dog doesn't need me here the whole day. So I think it's going to be something I struggle with with a baby because then I'll be even more tied to the house. So we've talked about um, scheduling time and we're, we're just calling it like coffee shop time. So time when I could go to a coffee shop and get that alone time where I really do feel separate from the house, separate from the baby, hopefully separate from work. I love the idea of like not even bringing a laptop, just bringing like a book or something like that, sitting there getting like a $7 coffee, reading a book for, you know, 30 minutes, an hour would just, oh, that sounds so wonderful. So I really like the idea of having that as part of the schedule. And I know it's kind of hard to say, okay, well, I'm going to do it, you know, every Wednesday at noon, because who knows, right? Like if, you know, maybe the baby needs to eat then, or maybe they need, I don't know, a bath or they have a big blowout diaper or schedule changes. But I do like the idea of having it in the calendar because then I think it's something we're going to stick to. Um, so obviously we're not like scheduling that right now. We're not even pregnant. We don't know, you know, when a baby is coming. We don't know what our lives will look like. But I think the fact that I've already had that conversation with my partner and have said like, hey, this is something that is important to me that I struggle with, that I already struggle with, you know, I'm going to need your help here. I'm going to need your support. And if it can be something we schedule, I think that's really going to be key because, you know, maybe we wake up 
Wednesday morning and I say, okay, you know, today is coffee shop day. What's our day looking like? You know, how's, how's baby sleep looking? Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe not noon. Okay. One o'clock is looking better. So from one till two, that's, you know, my coffee shop time. And hopefully, you know, it's when baby's napping or whatever. Um, and then my husband can have his video game time or his TV time or whatever. Cause for him, I don't think he needs to leave the house as much for his alone time. We'll see. Cause right now, you know, he leaves the house for work every day. So he doesn't really feel that need to like have to leave the house for his alone time. But I have a feeling that's going to change once he's off work with the baby. So I think we're going to have to carve out like coffee, coffee shop time for both of us separately. Um, but I like that we're already talking about it and discussing like how important that's going to be and hopefully finding ways to kind of let the other person go and get that me time as much as possible. We're not really, you know, I don't really like get my nails done, get my hair done. Like that sort of thing is not really for us. It's just not stuff we really do. So I think it is going to be more like just pure leisure time, like read a book at a coffee store shop, go to the park, that sort of thing. And to be able to do it like without baby, without dog, without a laptop is going to be really, really freeing. I think that's going to really fill, it's going to say fill my cup, which is funny because, you know, I'm talking about a coffee shop. <laughs> okay. Number 10, um, the 10th, you know, kind of topic, big thing you want to discuss with your partner, hard part about having a baby is that travel isn't as relaxing. So in Lucy's video, she references a HuffPo article that talks about the difference between a trip and a vacation. And they say, you know, a vacation is where you're like lying on a beach and you're getting served drinks and you don't have to do anything. And a trip is like anything outside of that. I kind of disagree because I think by that definition, like we're really limiting vacation to um, basically it just sounds like all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean, which I think is like a very uh, limited scope on what a vacation could be. Um, it also feels very like US centric. Like there's, you know, people all over the world who have never been to that kind of an all-inclusive, but feel like they've been on vacation. I also don't think it really matters. This is like when people debate like, oh, are you a tourist or you're a traveler? Like who cares? Like it's, it's all the same thing. But I think Lucy's greater point is that, you know, travel with a baby is going to look different. It's a lot of work. Um, she makes the point that like, you know, if you're the one who's in charge of your child's care, or their well-being at home, when you take them on a trip, it's not just a trip, it's a work trip. You're taking your work with you, which I think is like a great, uh, you know, metaphor for traveling with a baby. Um, and that sometimes, honestly, it would have just been easier if you stayed home. And like, that's such a crappy feeling to have right at the end of a trip, like, oh, I wish we had just stayed home. And I actually was watching a travel vlog the other day of parents of twins. They took them out on like their first vacation and they were all excited. They were just going like, I think a couple hours away from home. Um, it was the place where like they had gotten engaged and they were so excited to like bring their infant twins to this spot. And it was just like such a horrible, horrible trip. They had such a hard time getting the twins to sleep because they couldn't get the room to like black out completely. It had curtains, but you know, there's always like those gaps around the window. So light was getting through the twins were I think teething or something. So they were like crying and fussing and they just felt like they were stuck in this like very tiny room of an inn where they, they didn't have enough space. So they were, you know, all over each other. They couldn't get the twins to sleep. They couldn't get the room dark enough. Um, just like, you know, having meltdowns, going in and out of the car and going to shops and stuff. And they ended up actually coming home early. And I watched this video and I was like, oh my God, like, oh no, that's going to be us. Because as I've shared on the podcast before, our plan is, well, my husband's going to be off for 18 months from work and I'm going to be kind of working like part-time. Our plan is to 
um, extensively travel with our baby. So we're planning to spend probably the first five, six months um, here at home in uh, Vancouver. Then we're going to spend some time with my family on the east coast of Canada. And then we're going to spend probably like nine months in Europe. That's the very tentative plan right now. But watching that video, I was like, oh my God, what if it's that hard? Like, what if we can't do it? Um, and I was very nervous. So <laughs> hearing this tip from Lucy just drove that point home even more. And I think for us, you know, this is again, something my husband and I talked about. There are some ways that I think we're going to try to rectify this. I think first of all, knowing that trips are not going to be as relaxing, that they are going to be harder. You know, you're going to have so much gear to bring. You're going to have to work around baby's schedule, nap schedule, sleep schedule, eating schedule. Obviously your kid might be adjusting to time zones or just, you know, whatever they're going through, a sleep regression, teething, um, diaper rash, whatever it is, right? You're dealing with all of that in an unfamiliar environment. You might not be able to get all the things you usually get. You don't have those comforts of home. I can see how that would be very challenging. And I'm glad to know that already because I think that'll be my expectation going in. Not that I'm going to be like doomsday pessimistic about it, but I think it'll be helpful to go into it knowing that like, hey, this is not going to be an easy breezy trip. Like there will likely be some challenges, but the way we're sort of preparing for that is well, one knowing that that's going to happen, like <laughs> setting our expectations. We are also planning to slow travel. So anytime I've, and not that I'm talking about this a lot, but anytime I've kind of brought up the fact that we want to travel with our kid, you know, like most parents who do things kind of out of the box, a lot of people are like, you're what? Like, I would never, what a waste of time. You know, the kid's just going to ruin the trip. They won't even remember it. Like that's, that's crazy. You can't travel with a baby. And it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got, <laughs> I've got responses to all of that. Let me tell you. Um, but our plan is to slow travel. So by that, I mean, we're going to be in the same place for like six weeks. You know, that's the plan. It's yes, it's going to be chaotic to get ourselves a baby, all of our stuff, you know, suitcases and strollers and car seats and whatever else, plus a dog. We also have our dog. Bring all those things over to Europe is going to be a nightmare like that. <laughs> I cannot imagine that day going smoothly. However, once we land, our plan is to be in Europe for nine months, to be in a single spot for like four to six weeks. So it's not going to be you know, a backpacking trip. We got two nights in Paris and then we're taking the train to Nice and three days in Nice and then a road trip on the south of France over to Spain. And then we take a boat, like none of that. We are staying put. We'll get an apartment rental. So we'll have time to just sort of like, yes, you know, there's going to be some bad days, jet lag, figuring out, you know, where do we get the diapers? Where do we, I don't know, set up the crib? Where's the dog park? Things like that. But once we sort of adjusted, then we still have a couple weeks of just like enjoying the place. So I think that's going to be really nice. We're also planning to have a very um, loose, loose, loose itinerary. I was telling my husband, like, I think our goal should be one thing a day. And by that, I don't even mean like a tourist thing, like a sightseeing thing. I literally mean one thing a day. So, you know, Monday, it might be, Kate, we're going to go to the market and get some fruit. <laughs> Tuesday, we are going to a playground. Wednesday, we're going to check out a new park, you know, just like one little thing that's like leaving the house. And it might not even be all of us, right? Like maybe, maybe it's a rough day for baby. And it's just, you know, me and the dog that end up making it out of the house. Um, and then, you know, maybe on the weekend, we gear up and we go see a castle or something like that. But just having like very low expectations for what we want to accomplish each day and giving ourselves lots of time in the place, I think is going to make travel a lot smoother. We're also hoping to bring um, people with us. So grandparents or, you know, aunts and uncles, whatever, have them either come out to visit us and strategically have them come when we're like moving locations so they can help us. So we can kind of say like, okay, you know, I've got the baby, my husband's got the dog. 
uh, mom, you're on luggage. <laughs> you got to get all four of these suitcases or whatever, you know, we can switch up who's on what, but sort of doing um, like man-to-man defense that way, <laughs> giving everyone a responsibility. You either have baby, dog, or luggage, and that's how we're going to, you know, make it um, to wherever we need to go. I think also, you know, being inspired, obviously, by other families, because families do this, right? Like lots of families travel from a young age. There are lots of travel vloggers and bloggers and podcasters out there who I follow who have been traveling, you know, with their little ones since they were a couple months, couple weeks old. So knowing that like it is possible, people do it and learning from them. And then also just sort of switching our mindset, you know, because we do like to travel. Obviously, that's a huge part of our lives. That's why we're sort of designing this baby trip. Um, and we usually are not super go, go, go. But, you know, we, we like to do things while we're while we're sightseeing. We are not the kind of people to like lie on a beach with a drink. But we do also like to have these like small moments of relaxation, whether it's, you know, getting takeout instead of going to a restaurant and like watching TV in bed or sleeping in or coming back to the hotel in the middle of the day for a nap. So I think it'll just be about finding like small moments like that. You know, we probably won't get a week lying on the beach, but that's not something we're interested in anyways, but we probably will get time to, you know, watch a movie together once the baby's in bed or something like that. So I I honestly think the way we already travel and the way we plan to travel with a baby will work very well for you know, (laughs) throwing a baby into the mix. That being said, again, I think this is going to be a situation where I will listen back to this podcast in a couple years and be like, whoop, that did not go to plan. (laughs) So we'll see because, you know, things might change once baby gets here. But I, I do think we are sort of setting our expectations accordingly and trying to set ourselves up for success in terms of travel. Um, but to Lucy's point here, I think if you are planning, you know, a shorter trip, um, if you're planning to do a lot during the trip, if it's going to be like a really big change from your routine at home, I would uh, go into it, you know, expecting that it's going to be hard work and, you know, whatever you can do to make that easier. I think a huge part of it is just setting your expectations that it's going to be tough. But whether that's like, you know, spending a little extra money to get um, a one bedroom like apartment or suite instead of just a regular hotel room so you have some more space. Um, maybe it's paying more to get like, you know, a special slumber pod to keep things dark or pay to bring a, uh, you know, grandparent or a babysitter or something like that to help you out. I think things like that, my, my husband and I have like a saying for this. We say, oh, just throw money at the problem. We, we talk a lot about, you know, back in the day, we do things and even still, you know, we do things to be kind of like as cheap as possible, right? Save as much money as possible, um, which is going to lead me into my next point here. But sometimes it just makes sense to throw money at the problem. So for us, sometimes that means like taking car share instead of a really long bus ride. And I think when you have a baby, there's going to be a lot of times where like, you know what, for everyone's sanity, for everyone's like peace of mind to save us time and a lot of stress, we're just going to throw money at this problem. And when it comes to traveling, I think that is things like springing for the babysitter, paying for the airport transfer instead of, you know, navigating the train, um, paying to have like diapers delivered, like lots of places, you know, have these services where you can rent uh, car seats and strollers and they'll deliver diapers to you and formula and things like that. Like there are lots of resources out there. So I hope this doesn't discourage you from traveling. It certain has, certainly hasn't discouraged me. We still plan to do our big baby trip, um, but I think it's really important to set your expectations when it comes to that trip. All right, number 11, we are almost there. I'm going to finish, <laughs> I promise. Number 11 of the you know discussions to have with your partner, big things to talk about before the baby comes is the financial impact. So this one is obviously huge. I've done some episodes, I think pretty early on um, in the show about like ways to save money 
for a baby, I think it would be a good idea to do a few more episodes on like saving up, how much things cost, average cost, things like that. Um, I'll have to revisit those episodes to see what I've already talked about. Um, but yeah, this is obviously, you know, having a baby is expensive. Uh, depending on where you live, you might be paying some um, expenses out of pocket even to, you know, get pregnant. Obviously, if you are paying for uh, IUI, IVF, medication, treatments, anything like that, you know, donor eggs, sperm, things, surrogates, all of that, extremely expensive, like tens of thousands of dollars. If you're growing your family through adoption, again, that can be very expensive, tens of thousands of dollars. There's, you know, pregnancy costs like um, vitamins, uh, maternity clothes, pregnancy pillows, you know, anything, just little things to sort of make yourself more comfortable. Again, if you're going through any like um, issues with your pregnancy, you might be paying more in terms of seeing specialists or medications you need to be on, monitoring tests. Um, if you are in certain parts of the world, you're also paying for the actual birth of your child, which oh, as a Canadian with <laughs> my free social health care, that blows my mind that that is something that you would have to save up for. Um, and then obviously, depending on how complicated that is, or if your child needs any care after birth, or if you need any care after birth, that can be, again, tens of thousands of dollars. Then the baby's here. You need all of the regular baby items, strollers, cribs, car seats, bouncers, uh, little things, you know, clothing, um, wipes, diapers, that's going to add up, bottles, formula, toys, books, shoes, uh, you know, play mats, all these things um, that... Again, you know, there are ways to save money here, right? And I think the, this is sort of what I talked about in my past episodes. Some of these things you just don't need. Some of them you can get gifted. You know, if you do a baby shower or something like that, you can get them for free. There's lots of places online. Um, buy nothing is like a really huge movement where you might be able to get some of these items for free from your neighbors or at least um, at a discount. You can buy them secondhand. You can go to a used store. You can. Um, you know, buy them off people on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever it is. So there are ways to save money here. I'm not saying that, you know, all these things you need to buy uh, the best version, most expensive, brand new, absolutely not. But they are just things to think about in terms of the cost, right? Then there are some other costs that are kind of like indirectly costs of having a baby. So things that Lucy brought up in her episode are things like, you know, your car, maybe you don't have a car right now and you have to purchase one because, you know, you need to bring your baby to appointments or to childcare or to your in-laws, you know, whatever it is. Um, that's obviously a huge expense because it's, it's not just the car, which is expensive in itself. It's insurance, it's gas, it's maintenance, right? Um, or if you do have a car, maybe you have to get a larger car, which again, all of those things, insurance, gas, maintenance, a house, that could be a huge one. If you are in a space that doesn't feel large enough for a baby, if you want some more space for your growing family, that's going to be a huge expense. Um, food, you know, for yourself, for your baby, obviously, uh, you know, babies aren't eating a ton, but that can still be really expensive. If you have to buy specialty formula, let's say, you know, they're allergic to something, you have to buy really expensive formula or um, the way you're choosing to introduce solids could be really expensive, right? Depending what method you go, you go down. Um, there's also the lack of income. I think that's a huge one that a lot of people forget. But if you are taking time off of work, um, depending where you live in the world, that could be a, a big um, cut to your income that could really hurt your family finances. Even if you are able to get some funding during that time, like I talked about in Canada, you know, we have uh, some government assistance during parental leave there still might be um, some implications to your income. Like maybe you would have gotten a bonus if you were at work and you don't have that anymore. Or maybe by the time you return to work, you're, you know, you're kind of behind, you're, you're not at the same income as your colleagues who stayed. 
Uh, apologies, that's a plane going overhead. I have the window open. Sorry if you can hear that. Um, this one is like the financial impact is something I am worried about. I'm not, <laughs> I do feel like I have, you know, a pretty good sense of what certain things are going to cost. And we have talked about things like, you know, we, we do think there's enough space in our current apartment for a baby for at least the first few years. Um, we're, we don't think we're going to need a car. You know, we have plans to get a lot of things secondhand. Um, but I do think that uh, it's going to be expensive. I can see us definitely being those people who, you know, just, oh, we need this thing, grab it on Amazon, grab it on Amazon. And that's not to say that we're going to be frivolous. Like, I'm sure they will be things we actually need, but it'll add up, right? And I think there's like a joke of the new parents are the ones that have, like, you know, it's new parents because there's like 15 Amazon boxes in front of their door every day. Um, And like, great, convenient, awesome. You know, you get the things you need right away, but it adds up. And, you know, you might just be thinking like, oh, like babies aren't that expensive. What diapers, you know, a couple outfits, but I think they really can be a bigger financial impact than you might be thinking of. The lack of income is like a big one that I'm thinking of too, just with the pay cut, obviously, you know, the, that my husband is going to take the government funding that we will get while he's on leave is is helpful, but it's certainly not enough to live live on, especially not in Vancouver, but like probably nowhere in Canada is it enough money to live off. Um, so that's going to be a big one. And then I'm only going to be working, you know, kind of part time. So that's going to be a big cut. And then even when we come back, you know, from the parental leave, my husband's back at work, I probably will still only be working part time, just in terms of childcare, which, oh, my God, another huge expense, right? Childcare, you got to think about that. Um that's a, that's a big one in terms of financial impact. So uh, that's something to think about kind of going forward, even if you're like, hey, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good, we're comfortable right now. What does it look like if one of you is not working or is only working part time, and then you know, a bunch of other expenses are going up in your life? One thing that I'm worried about, particularly for our situation is, you know, this big baby trip that we're planning, our original plan was to, you know, either end our lease here in Vancouver or sublet our house um, sublet our, our apartment and, uh, you know, go off on our trip. But the more we've talked about it and thought about it, it actually doesn't make sense to end our lease. We kind of locked in a rate. Um, we moved here, I don't know, probably like about a year ago now, by the time you're listening. Um, and while it was like, you know, it was a steep, uh, rent, it was actually a little less than what we were paying at our last place. And it's way less than market rental rates right now. So it's actually to the point where if we left this place (laughs) and, uh, came back, the rent would probably be like wildly above what we're currently paying. So we kind of did the math and basically like, if we stay here, you know, if we come back from the baby trip and we stay here for, I think it was like two years, we will have like made our money back. And that's based on today's rental prices, not even like what they will be when we get back from the trip. So honestly, it actually makes sense for us to keep paying rent on an apartment we won't live in, even if we're away traveling, which blows my mind that that is like something we're conceivably thinking of doing. It also makes things a little bit easier. You know, we won't have to apartment hunt. We won't have to be like scouring Craigslist for new apartments, searching for an apartment with like a, an 18 month old and a dog. Um, we get to leave all our stuff here. So we don't have to pay for storage. We don't have to like pack up and move. We can, you know, get our mail still sent here. We'll probably have my mom, you know, drop in, make sure the place is okay. Things like that. So there are lots of pros to it, but it's like, just mind-blowing to think that we might be paying rent on an apartment for nine months, not living in it, longer than that, maybe like 10 or 11 months <laughs> and not living in it. Um, and that that actually is like the better long-term financial decision. 
um, that's really scary. It's not <laughs> something we had thought uh, would be part of like our financial picture. So again, up in the air, you know, no decisions have been made. Um, that's obviously a huge expense that we're going to have to think about when it comes to our baby. Okay, number 12 is balancing parenthood and a career. So Lucy points out that this is, you know, very dependent on your career aspirations. You know, if you are someone who is very um, career motivated, you really uh, value your career, want to advance, want to, you know, spend a lot of time in your career, that's great. If you're someone who's not so career motivated, you know, you kind of clock in, clock out, you're there for the paycheck, or if you're planning to, you know, stop working and um, being a parent is going to be kind of like your new role, your new identity, you're not really taking on uh, work outside of the home, then this is obviously not going to be as big a deal. But I think I would I would venture most people listening are probably planning to still work in some capacity after having a child. I just assume that most people listening are like, you know, most I'm just saying most people in 2023 probably still have to work outside of the home or you know, in the home, but outside of being a parent <laughs> in these days. And I think it's really hard to find that balance, even if you're not someone who's like wanting to climb the corporate ladder and become, you know, the number one, whatever, corporate career person and or an entrepreneur and start your own business and make seven figures a year, you know, whatever it is, even if you're not that person, and I'm certainly not, I think this idea of like a work-life balance and figuring out how to be a parent and also a good employee or, um, boss or worker, you know, whatever is really challenging, right? Like lots of people talk about this. And I think it's something that you were going to want to talk about with your partner uh, a lot leading up to having a baby. Um, I've heard this said before that like, I feel like this is a Shonda Rhimes quote, but don't, I'm not sure about that, but something like, you know, you can be a good mom and you can be a good boss, but you can't be both at the same time. I think she said something like that. Sounds, sounds Shonda Rhimesy, right? <laughs> um, and that's very interesting to me, but I, I think it makes sense, right? It's, you only have 24 hours in a day and it's hard to be hundred percent completely devoted to many things at the same time, especially when those things are demanding of your attention, like a child would be like a, you know, work project would be. Um, so I think if you talk to any working parent, they'll tell you, um, and especially working moms, because, you know, patriarchy, they'll tell you that sacrifices have to be made, that you have to compromise. Sometimes you're going to miss out on something at work you're going to miss out on something at home. And like, you just have to make that decision each day. And, and sort of see what works best for you and what works best for your family. So I think this is a good time to talk to your partner and bring them into this conversation. Um, just first, you know, kind of broadly speaking of like, okay, what is our plan in terms of our jobs? You know, can you take time off? Can I take time off? What this ties in again with the previous topic on finances, you know, what do our finance look like? How much time can we take off? Um, I know some families it actually makes more sense for somebody to leave their job instead of paying for childcare, which is not only a mind blowing thing in terms of the cost of childcare, but also it um, it doesn't take into consideration the career aspect, right? Like it's not just okay, you know, you don't make as much as we'd end up paying on daycare, so you have to stay home. It's like okay, but I get so much more out of my job than just um, just money, right? Like it's, it's fulfilling, it's helping me advance, it's social interaction, it's using my brain in a different way. So I think these are definitely big conversations you want to have with your partner about what your futures look like. And if, you know, pursuing career is important to you, is important to them, how you can both do that in a way that's going to work for your family. So maybe, you know, somebody takes off six months, then the next person takes off six months, then you both go down to part-time. So you're able to do childcare or, um, you know, you're paying for childcare and what's the expense of that? Um, 
and just, yeah, talking about them about how you want to balance that. Uh, for us, like I talked about, you know, I'm not super, super career motivated. Um, my husband's not honestly super career motivated either. He works in a hospital, so it's obviously outside of the home. Um, and our plan is for, you know, after the parental leave, he will be going back to work. In a, in a perfect dream world, he's only going back, you know, three or four days a week, and he is able to have that time at home. Um, but just the way his job is structured, I don't think that's going to be possible. He'll probably be back, you know, five days a week. So I'm a little bit nervous for that point. Um, I, I can't see myself, you know, wanting like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back to work just because I'm not that <laughs> motivated by work. Um, but I am motivated by some more like creative um, projects. So things like this podcast or writing, um, you know, whether it's blog writing, articles, web copy, a book, like things like that are important to me and I'm going to want to have time to do them. I think I also like, you know, being productive, bringing in money, things like that, like that's important. So I think this will be an ongoing conversation and then working out, um, sort of, as I talked about in the previous section, you know, how the career and parenthood and childcare all kind of work together because the way it's looking, you know, with me working from home, I'll probably be more responsible for childcare, but obviously I'm not going to be able to, you know, do my current hours and client work while also taking care of a baby. So, you know, are we looking at daycare? Are we looking at a nanny? Are we fingers crossed bringing in our moms <laughs> to do some <laughs> free childcare for us and sort of balancing all that. Um, and I think, yeah, this is, super, super important conversations to start having with your partner, especially if you are in a dynamic where it's assumed that one of you is staying home and the other one's going off to work. I think a lot of resentment can build up there. Um, and this happens a lot in like cis-het relationships where it's just assumed that the mom is going to stay home and put her career on hold and take care of the baby. And of course, the husband, the man is getting to go back to work. Um, I don't think that should be an assumption. I think that should be a conversation and you should work on you know, finding a solution that works for your family. And again, knowing that that can change, right? Like you might say like, yeah, no problem. I'm happy with that. And then six months in realize, you know what, I'm actually not happy with this. Let's revisit this. Let's find a way that I can, you know, still um, have some time for my career as well. Okay. Last but not least, we have made it friends, <laughs> multiple episodes. We are finally at number 13, the 13th hardest part about having a baby, the thing you got to talk to your partner about, it is childhood emotions and trauma re-emerging. So Lucy talks about, you know, how this one is, it's not necessarily even, she calls it capital T trauma. So it doesn't have to be, you know, big, huge traumas that you've had in your life, but just things that you went through as a child and how those are going to come back up when you're a parent. And this is probably already something you're seeing in your life. I know myself, you know, I talked about this, ugh, what, two episodes ago now, um, how, you know, diet culture, that was something I was brought up in a world of diet culture. And I am definitely rebelling against that now as an adult and, you know, learning um, what, you know, what fat liberation is and what it means to be fat positive and health at every size and saying no to diet culture and being body neutral and things like that, all these phrases and language that I just didn't know as a kid. And I, you know, because I was taught kind of the other way, I'm now finding like this new way of looking at the world as an adult that feels a lot healthier to me. So I'm already feeling that for myself as an adult, not even being a parent. So I know for sure when we have a kid, you know, there's so many things. I think they always say that like <laughs> every, what, every parent like, you know, damages their kid in a new way, but you, you don't like repeat the mistakes of your own parents or something like that. There's some, there's some saying around that, but you like 
course correct from the thing that like you feel your parents kind of damaged quote unquote damaged you with the most um but then there's always there's always something right like every kid's gonna grow up and have something that they feel like their parents didn't do great as i don't think you know perfection is, is what we're aiming for here but i do think it's interesting um that things will come up from your own childhood. So I think this is something you can already start talking to your partner about if you are, again, having a baby with a partner. Um, things that have already come up for you, I'm sure, you know, throughout your relationship, you've already noticed things. Um, for example, you know, my partner and I, we've had a lot of conversations around money. Um, I think I did a podcast episode on money. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, lots of the ways that we were raised around money and how that um, is, you know, showcasing itself in our adult life, how we handle money today. So I think you'll probably already notice things in your partner that are like, ah, this is stemming from your childhood. <laughs> like something is coming up here. So I think having those conversations and you can even have it on, you know, to sort of like broach the topic, you can go through things and like, okay, what sort of things, you know, when it comes to parenting or when it comes to raising a baby, having a baby, what sort of things are important to us? What are things that we really want to do? What are things we definitely don't want to do? And I think in having those conversations, you'll end up bringing up things from your childhood. So it might be like, oh, you know, I was homeschooled and that was the best thing ever. So I definitely want us to homeschool. And then the other person might be like, oh, I went to public school. So we'll definitely be doing that. You know, no homeschooling here. So having, having those conversations and then, you know, of course, if this is a situation where, um, you know, things are coming up from your childhood or, or from any time in your life, and it is sort of that, as Lucy would call it, big T trauma, I think this is a great time to bring in therapy or other um, support systems to sort of help you work through it. And, you know, starting those conversations now before you have a baby and, and talking through them, but also knowing that, you know, things might change, things might come up, right? You know, once you have the baby, it might be like, oh, yeah, I am doing that thing because of, XYZ that happened to me in my childhood and knowing that you still have those support systems to reach out to. Okay, friends, we have done it. It has been many, many an episode, but we have made it two or three episodes. I'm still not sure yet at the time of recording this, if I'm honest, um, but we have made it through all of the, um, all of all 13 of Lucy Fink. Thank you, Lucy Fink. Um, Lucy Fink's 13 hardest parts about having a baby. We have made it through them all. I hope this was helpful. I really, really enjoyed watching Lucy's video and having these conversations with my husband. So I hope you feel similarly um, and that these are things that you can think about, that you can um, talk about with your partner or with your family or with your friends, you know, your community, whoever you are bringing a baby into the world with. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. I will see you or you'll hear from me in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.